Well, good evening. It is so good to be here tonight. Um, the title of my message tonight is Centered on Trust. And, um, you know, I just wanted to begin by saying as children, we love to make believe. I mean, how, remember, how many of you remember being children? We just love to pretend. We love to make believe. We love to pretend that we were grown-ups. You know, as boys, we'd, we'd hit sticks together and pretend that we were clashing swords. And little girls would clumsily try to walk in their mom's high heel shoes. You know, it was fun. I mean, for me anyway, growing up, we didn't have all these electronic devices that we have today. We had to use our imaginations. And um, even as a teenager, I think it was, yeah, I wasn't a teenager before we even had cable TV. But as kids, we used our imaginations. We'd, we went outside. We'd ride our bicycles and pretend they were motorcycles by putting playing cards in the spokes held by a clothespin and chase each other through the neighborhood with cap guns pretending to be cops and robbers. You know, we made our own reality. And I think I can even still hear the sound of that uh, playing card in the spokes of the of the of the wheel of the bicycle, and I think I can still smell those caps, too, and those toy guns. Ah, nostalgia. But let me say it again. We created our own reality, and our perception was our truth. But it was fun. It was entertainment. And speaking of entertainment, the director of any movie or stage play, they're always asking themselves one question. Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Cut. Let's try it again. No, they want what they're seeing to appear real. They're asking themselves, does that actress really make me believe that she's the character she's portraying? Do the lights, the, the camera angles, the, the wardrobe, the set design, does that all make me believe that what I am seeing is real? Well, on a grander scale, the job of the director is to make the audience believe that what they're seeing is fact and not fiction. It's the same thing we did as children, playing make-believe. But I lead with this because whether we're a child playing make-believe or, or an actor in a movie, we're creating reality for entertainment. And that's a big difference because you can create reality for fun, for entertainment, but you can't create reality for truth. You cannot create truth. There should be an obvious difference between a movie on Netflix and a newscast on CNN. So what is truth? What is truth? The question still echoes through time since Pontius Pilate asked this of Jesus. And in a day when censorship is on the rise, and particularly with social platforms and media outlets sometimes favor an agenda as regarding instead of reporting the news and, and all these different things, people are having a hard time knowing what they can trust, knowing what is really true. Is truth a matter of opinion? I mean, does one's perspective dictate what is truth? If three people are on three different corners of an intersection and an accident happens and they all have wildly different uh, testimonies, are each one of them equally true? Does absolute truth exist? Does sheer repetition make something true? If, it's, if something is said over and over and over enough times, does it become true? Is there absolute truth? A lot of people are asking that. 
I mean, mathematically, sure. One plus one equals two. Absolutely. But is there absolute truth philosophically? Can we really believe that something is absolutely true? I mean, how many people have heard someone say to you, well, what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. Ha, try that with gravity. No, but what they're saying is their opinion matters equally with yours. It's not really truth. Because to say I agree to disagree is a matter of opinion. It's not truth. And the answer to these questions really weighs heavily upon our society because our society is being swayed by the cultural and relativism and political correctness and public opinion. And, and, and everyone has their own way of saying, this is what is right. This is what is true. And some would even say, people are calling good evil and evil good. But what is true? What is truth? We go back to Pilate's question, what is truth? Well, in answer to that, I'm working on a series of messages that I've entitled Braid of Truth. Braid of Truth. Now, all of you know what a braid is. It's made up of three strands woven together. Uh, a braided rope is obviously much stronger than a single-stranded rope. Even the Bible says a cord of three stand, strands is not easily broken. And the three strands that I'm going to be speaking about are trust, faith, and peace. The titles of which are Centered on Trust, Led by Faith, and Held in Peace. Tonight's message is Centered on Trust. And let me just begin by saying there is a correlation between trust, faith, and peace. Now, everyone wants peace. But peace is not an end to itself. It's a strand that is intertwined with faith that is centered on trust. And collectively, these strands form a braid that is truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus said, I am the truth. So Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Do you love Jesus? Then you love truth. Do you love truth? Then you love Jesus who is truth. Now I've mentioned that peace is not the end goal. The Bible says in 12 in Hebrews 12:1 and 2, therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. You see, our life is like a race. And every runner must keep his eye on the goal, on the finish line. How many races have been lost when the front runner looked back, even for an instant, only to be surpassed by the person behind him? No, we must keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. And what is that finish line? What well, we just read, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. So peace isn't the goal. Jesus is. And he is the perfecter of our faith for running that Christian race setting before us. But we'll never step foot on the racetrack until we first trust in Jesus. 
We have to have that trust in whom we live and move and have our being if we're ever to run that race of faith in fulfillment of peace. Now, how many of you have braided hair? I mentioned braid of truth. How many of you have braided hair? You know, you begin with three equal strands, and you, and you take the left over the middle, and then you take the right over the middle, then the left over the middle, and the right over the middle, et cetera, et cetera. And, but by crossing over that middle section, it's that middle section that is so important because the middle section holds the braid together. And, and in this series where I'm saying the braid of truth, it is trust that is that central strand. The trust is central to truth. Now, before moving on, did you notice what the Bible said in Hebrews 11? It said, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. How many of you know that you can't braid hair that's tangled? <laughs> well, in the same way, sin will keep you from the truth. Just like tangles will keep you from a braid of truth, sin will keep you from the truth that is Jesus. And if you allow your hair to get tangled, well, it can be straightened out, but it can hurt to get those tangles out. Likewise, sin can be forgiven. The Bible says that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But there is consequence to sins, and they're often quite painful. I can remember my daughter Melody wailing in pain, crying as, I, as, I, as gently as I could, try to, to comb and to brush those tangles out of her long hair when she was a little girl. Here's the thing. Hair is prone to get tangled. And you guessed it, we are prone to sin. Now, granted, the majority of, of we guys don't wear our hair long, but, but ladies understand, those who wear long hair, that if you're going to keep your hair free of tangles, it takes daily care. Products like conditioners and, and, and constant combing and brushing. It's, it's, it's a Quite the discipline, as I've seen from my, my own grown daughter and especially my wife. Did I mention daily? Yeah, I'm sure you're way ahead of me. It's the same with our spiritual life. If we're to have victory over the sin that entangles us, then we need those same daily disciplines. Not hair care products and brushes, but Bible study, prayer, time spent with God in personal devotions, daily. It's that discipline that draws us close to God. As I mentioned, that middle strand of trust holds this braid of truth together. And since the strand of trust is central, and since the totality of the braid is truth, and since Jesus is the truth, then it stands that Jesus must be the center of our life. Jesus must be the center of our life. In Acts chapter 16, a Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you will live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your house included. Did you catch that? To be saved, we have to trust in Jesus. That's stepping onto that racetrack to run this race of faith. It's the first thing we do to trust in Jesus, to live as we were meant to live, the way God intended us to live. We're to put our trust, and not only our trust, our entire trust in Jesus. Jesus must be the master, the center of our lives. 
Jesus is the truth in whom we trust. So what is trust? And what does it mean to trust someone? Well, number one, trust connotes a feeling of, of security. When I trust someone, I am safe with them. Security, safety. And even when we're apart, I know that my name is safe in their mouth. When we're afraid or face trials, we have great comfort in knowing that we are safe in the arms of Jesus. For he said of his followers, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Doesn't that give great comfort, safety in knowing that when you are in the presence of God, you are safe? Another way is when I trust someone, I trust their word. I trust their word. How many people have heard the phrase, well, you can take him at his word? You know, there was a time when, you know, a person's word really meant something. Their word was binding, and, and their reputation was as good as their word. Well, how about you? Can people trust your word? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you arrive when you say you will? Uh, your word has a lot to do with people's perception of you and your influence upon others. And the same can be said about Jesus, but, but far beyond being able to take Jesus at his word, you see, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. John's gospel opens with these words referring to Jesus. John writes, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. And the Greek for word is logos. And it comes from the verb meaning to speak. Thus, Jesus, the logos, is the spoken word of God, the expressed word of God. So just as we trust his presence for safety, we trust his word for truth. For Jesus is the word, and he said in John 10, the Father and I are one. Jesus shouted to the crowds in John 12, 44, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Jesus said, if you trust me, you are also trusting God. Jesus is God. Jesus said, by the truth I have spoken. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus is the word. Now remember when I mentioned how we are to keep ourselves from the sin that so easily entangles us, and the way we do that is through prayer and Bible reading? Well, the Bible is God's word. It's the express living word of God and the foundation of our faith. And since Jesus is God's word, then to know Jesus is to know his word, the Bible. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Then you'll love his word, the Bible. At the start of this message, I said that truth is centered on trust. 
So truth is centered on trust. But moreover, trust must be centered in love. When you love someone, you naturally want to spend time with them. And if we are to free ourselves from the tangles of sin, then we need to spend time in God's word. We need to have that daily discipline, not of combing our hair, but of spending time with his word. Back when Kyra and I were dating, I was uh, employed part-time as a worship leader in my past church, and, and uh, Kyra was, um, was at work, and you know, in the cold winter months, I, you know, would surprise her and I would drive to her in place of employment. And um, before I left the church, I would pop a bag of popcorn in the microwave in the church kitchen and then I'd wrap it up so it would stay warm. And then I'd drive over there and just time it right so that when she was walking out to the parking lot, she would see my car and, you know, she'd come in and I'd, she'd, you have popcorn. <laughs> and I'd unwrap and we'd enjoy popcorn just sitting in the car in the parking lot and, we didn't have much, but we had each other. And you know what? I couldn't wait to see her. I could not wait to see her. And, and even now, I, because I love my wife, I want to spend time with her. You know, the hardest thing of, of any time we were together before we were married was saying goodbye. And the one thing that I never take for granted as, as being married is not having to say goodnight and goodbye. We say goodnight, but we don't have to say goodbye. And um, we just didn't want to be apart. We loved each other, and we still do. So I'll ask again, do you love Jesus? Then you love his word, the Bible. Let me go on. Do you love Jesus? Then you want to spend time in his word. When you love someone, you naturally want to spend time with them. And the more time you spend with them, the more your love grows. And the more your love grows, the more your trust grows. It's just a natural progression. And your level of trust deepens over time the more you spend it with the person you love. As Pastor mentioned just a moment ago that uh, he's going to continue in part two with this message that he began on Sunday, and you'll, you'll want to listen uh, on our website. Um, his message was titled, When You Struggle With God. And without, you know, mentioning what he mentioned, just taking that word struggle, let me ask you this, are you struggling with God? And more to the point, are you struggling trusting God? I mean, are you looking up to heaven and say, God, why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why did this person get away with that? And why, why haven't you healed this person? And, and don't you even care? And do we even know what you're doing up there? Can I trust you? Well, that's really not the way we would be trusting God. You see, that's not trusting in love. See, you can, when you love someone, you trust them. But you can trust someone without loving them. For instance, I can trust someone that I hire to do a good job. And if they do a poor job or shortchange me, then you know, then I'll hire somebody else. Love had nothing to do with it. That's trust with expectations. I expect good service if I'm to trust that restaurant. I expect good products if I'm to trust that company. I expect results if I'm to trust that coach. I want a team that wins. That's 
Otherwise, I get a new coach. God, if you don't do what I want, then I'll get a new God. I'll worship somewhere else. I'll, you know, I'll do my own thing. I don't need you. Isn't that what people do? I mean, is that how people treat God? When, when he doesn't answer to the snap of their fingers, they impose these expectations on God. And when he doesn't jump, when they say jump, then they say, God, if I'm to trust you, then I expect this and this and this. But that's God based, that's trusting God based on expectations and not trusting God based on love. If you've turned your back on God because he didn't answer a prayer when you wanted it, the way you wanted it, then you've just simply reduced God to a waiter who, who took his time and brought a steak to you that wasn't as hot as you wanted it to be. You know, you can trust so many things, so many people, but why is it so hard to trust God? You trust your pharmacist to, to give you the right medication. You trust your Uber driver to get you to the right destination. But do you trust God who can give you forgiveness? Do you trust God who can get you to heaven? Trusting God in, in a world and in a day where trust is in such short supply. You know, it's no wonder people are confused. But there is one thing that you can be sure of. And that is, God will always never fail. God is always with you, and his love never fails. Again, you can trust someone without loving them, but you can't truly love someone without trusting them. I mean, I didn't marry Kyra for what she can do to, for me. Okay, I, didn't, I never told her, if you do this and this, then I'll love you. I never said, um, uh, my level of love for you is uh, dependent upon how well you do this or this. You know, I didn't put any contingencies on it. There was no strings attached. That would be love with conditions. And I love her unconditionally. Imagine someone seated in a restaurant telling a waitress, the amount of your tip is proportionate to how well you keep my coffee mug filled. Okay, rude, right? There's no love in that. But do we treat God that way? Do we put contingencies on him? Do we put conditions on him? Do we put expectations on him? No, trust must be centered in love. Our trust in God is without expectations. And our love for God is without conditions. And God loves us unconditionally. We can't earn his love. We don't even deserve his love. And yet, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8, get that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. A little further in 1 John chapter 4, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love 
And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. God is love. God is love. So how do we trust God? We trust in his love. 1 John 4, 16, we trust in his love. And how does God love us? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. So let's recap. We've read in scripture that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God and God is love. And what does love do? Love always trusts. Love always trusts. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God's love, unconditional love, real love, always trusts. Trust. And we've come full circle. How do we trust God? We trust in his love. How do we love God? We love one another. Oh, one another. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So how do we know God? We spend time in his word. Let's summarize everything together. It's in your notes. In summary, the more you spend time in God's word, the more you know him. The more you know God, the more you love him. The more you love God, the more you trust him. The more you trust God, the more you know the truth of God. And the more you know the truth of God, the more you want to share that truth with others. And what better way to love one another than sharing the love of God? That's what loving one another really is. There's no better way to show that we love God than to love others. Because God so loved us that he came and gave his life for us. Now think for just a moment. If you're a Christian, do you know someone who needs to hear this truth? Who needs to hear the truth of God? Someone who's could be like a rope who's just fraying at the end, whose, whose life is, is coming unraveled or is entangled with, with sin and, and hopelessness and despair. And, and they're just looking desperate for the truth, something that they can depend upon, something that is, that is honest, something that they can, well, you know the truth. If you know Jesus, you know truth. And it's the truth that sets people free. Would you share that truth with that person? And if you're not a Christian yourself tonight, you can place your trust 
your entire trust in God, and he will forgive you of all of your past sins. God loves you. He, he first loved you before you can even make a decision to love him back. God loves you unconditionally. No strings attached. No contingencies. No conditions. God loves you completely. And he wants you to love him completely as well. If that's you, it's very simple to put your trust in God. It's as easy as praying to him. Would you pray with me if that's you? Just pray, dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that, that I am a sinner who needs you. Lord, I know that you are the truth and that it is the truth that sets me free. Lord, I don't want to be entangled with sin and despair. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of all my past sins, all of my past mistakes, that you would hold nothing against me, but Lord, as much as I know how, accept me as your child, as your son, and as your daughter, and I accept you as my heavenly father, as my savior, as my ruler and master, the center of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. What a great message. I promised you it would be. He always brings out something really rich. And um, I can remember playing cards inside the spokes of a bicycle as well. I never braided any hair, but I can remember the, the cards as well. Hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As Mark was preaching and closing and wrapping up in prayer tonight, I, you know, I don't know who all's watching, but uh, maybe you're, you're watching this tonight live, or maybe you'll watch later. But if you did pray with Pastor Mark to commit your life to Christ, there's so much more about Jesus to know. There's so much more about his word and his goodness and his love for you. And we would love to help you out. We have a study Bible. We would love to send you free of no charge to help you get started in your walk with Christ. And all you have to do is just email us right here at woodlandoffice at woodland.church. That's all the address you need, office at woodland.church. And if you'll give us your contact information, we'll be happy to send that to you. And I promise you we're going to be praying for you this week. Join us here on Sunday morning. I can't wait to see you and to see all the rest of the family. Bring your children. Bring your babies with you. We've got the nurseries ready for you and all of our children's ministries taking place. God bless you real good. We love you.